You're listening to Unjiggered, a bartender podcast where we interview highly successful bartenders about their careers, lives, and the passion of bartending. This week, we caught up with Shane Eaton, a physics professor, researcher, and cocktail lover. We talk about how he found his passion for cocktails and how he manages to run several cocktail-based social media accounts, all whilst keeping up his research into modifying diamonds to build the next generation of computers. With this podcast, we want to peel back the mask and discover just how the greats became the greats. So sit back and enjoy. Hi, my name is Shane Eaton. I'm a professor in physics and a cocktail lover. Thank you very much for joining us here in Singapore. We just uh, witnessed sunset finishing, and this is a quite charming view. Where it's a very romantic. Very place romantic now. It's just me and you, Michele. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe we we step it back a little bit. So thank you very much for being here. It's a pleasure having you over. Uh, be very interesting to talk to you. You are a uh, cocktail lover, but first of all, a professor. So how do you get the two professions to work together? Well, it's very strange. So about 10 years ago, I moved to Italy. So I'm based, I'm born, I was born in Vancouver, moved to Italy to follow my love for a football team, actually, um, which is Inter Milano, the team in Milano. And so that was my purpose for moving to Italy, to follow my favorite soccer team. So you literally moved just because of the football team? Thankfully, I'd found a job as well as a researcher. <laughs> but really, that was the principal motivation for moving to Italy. In fact, I have a tattoo of my favorite team on my arm. You can't see it right now because I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt. But it's called the Bichone dell'Inter. Uh-huh. It's this, this giant serpent that covers my entire arm. Also, the ladies, of course, love it. But uh-huh. uh, that's the reason I moved there. And um, How did you get into football so much? So it's really a, a bit of a long story, but I have an I have an uncle. His name is Dino Paladino. He's okay. from near Naples, Torre del Greco. And uh, of course, I have no Italian blood. Uh, my mother's American. My mother's from New York. My father's from Vancouver. So basically North American. But my uncle Dino, he married my Canadian aunt. Uh, her name is Laura, Laura in Italian. And he, like every good Italian, he opened an Italian restaurant in, of course. in, well, Little, well, in, in Little Italy <laughs> called Sortino's. And of course, up to that point in my life, I was around 10 years old, 12 years old. I was used to eating really shitty Canadian food. So as you, Canada doesn't really have this tradition for great cuisine. It's true. We have very nice ethnic food, great Asian food, uh, very, very good, very good fish, but there's no tradition for Canadian eating. And so when I tried my first dish from Uncle Dino, I just fell in love. I just fell in love. It was a dish of pasta with gorgonzola. It's not really a traditional dish from Naples, but he sort of made, let's say, a national cuisine there. And I just fell in love. I'm like, what is this country that makes such wonderful food? And it started with the food, but then, of course, culture, uh, art, music, sport. So I started following Formula One, uh, cycling, and, of course, soccer, which is what we call it in Canada. And in the beginning, I followed just the Italian national team. But of course, they play only once once every four years is the World Cup. So I got sick of it. Uh, and I said, let's just choose a team to follow in, in Serie A. And of course, I had no real reason to choose Inter. I, I love the colors, blue and black. So I said, let's try. Maybe I'll get let's bored. Give it a shot. <laughs> Maybe I get bored after a few months and I won't care anymore. But as it turned out, the more I followed the team, of course, they, they were always losing. The more they would lose, the more I felt sort of becoming attached to the team. And it's about, it's about 25 years that I've sort of been in love with Inter. And it was always my dream to move to Italy to, to follow them. And so that's what brought me really to Italy. Okay. And uh, what was the job that you got there? So I was, for the past 10 years, I've been working at the sort of the best engineering university in, uh, in, in Milano, in Italy. It's called Politecnico di Milano. 
And there I sort of study, let's say, I tell my friend, my bartender friends that I burn shit with lasers. That's essentially what I do. So, but in a nice way. Uh, right now we're working on modifying Diamond to build a next generation computer, uh, modifying Diamond with a laser. And that's my research. Um, but let's say the first eight years I was in Italy, I, had, I was a postdoc. So my, my contract had to be renewed every two years, three years. There was even a point where my contract was not renewed and I was thinking I actually had to move back to Canada, which was really quite sad because it was really my dream to have the permanent position, the permanent professor position in, in Milano. And uh, in fact, the first day I arrived in Milano, my boss at the time said, uh, congratulations, welcome, welcome to the team. But I have to tell you from the beginning that you have no chance of winning a permanent position in this country because the way it's designed, we favor, obviously, Italians, you're Canadian. Um, but uh, 10 years later, I proved him wrong. I won a permanent position. And I'm very, thank you very much. And so I'm happy to continue my research and my dream of, of living in Milano, following my team and also drinking great cocktails. So obviously, I have a lot of respect for what you do uh, for your main job, but this is not the reason why you're this podcast. Like the main reason you're here is because you are an avid cocktail lover, aren't you? That's exactly it. So actually cocktails were not really my first love. I've always loved great food and drink. Uh, my first love was actually wine. Um, I, f- I remember falling in love with a bottle of Amarone, which I tried in, uh, in Toronto while I was finishing up my PhD. Um, the cocktail passion was born around eight years ago, and it's actually thanks to Singapore. Um, my friend, Paul, a lifelong friend, who is the owner of Proof & Company, he had basically just opened 28 Hong Kong Street. And he invited me here to Singapore to try this, his new bar. Uh, Paul actually, like me, was an engineer uh, at UBC. We studied together. Then he moved to, moved to Toronto to follow a law path, uh, then went to finance, ended up in Singapore doing financial stuff. Um, but him and his buddies said, you know, screw this, and we have a bit of money saved. Let's let's open a bar that reminds us of the great, you know, great experiences we had in New York. And so they opened 28. They thought, you know, could could even fail, right? It was the, essentially the first cocktail bar. There was Tipping Club, but it was more, I'd say, a restaurant bar, maybe a bit a bit ahead of its time. Uh, there was, of course, the Singapore Sling at Raffles, but there was no true cocktail bars in Singapore. And um, I fell in love with them. Um, Michael Callahan made the first list. Uh, I tried the entire list just before my flight back to back to where was I living at the time, back in Milano. And no, I absolutely loved the drinks. And when I moved back to Milano, I wanted to rediscover that 28 Hong Kong Street experience, discovered a few bars, started, and the passion developed from there. I started blogging. I have a blog called Questa Mia Milano, which means this is my Milan. And I talk about my best food and drink experiences in the city. And when I travel, now that I'm a professor, I get to travel around the world, which is great because I get to see lots of different cocktail markets. So I go to various international conferences. I collaborate with various labs around the world for my research. And of course, but that's during the day. At night, I like to go out and try great restaurants and of course, great bars. And that's what allows me to see, you know, essentially review bars from around the world. So your first experience, you said in the proper cocktail bar was here in Singapore. When you went back to Milan, what year was this, more or less? So this is roughly, when 28 opened, I think it was roughly, let's say, eight years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. How was the bar scene in Milan? Did you struggle to rediscover this experience back there? I did struggle at the time. So when I moved to Milano 10 years ago, uh, it wasn't what it is like today. Today, Milano is a very international city. Uh, this is in part thanks to the Expo back in 2015. Uh, in fact, when I first moved to Milano, I was really sad because, of course, I had my team enter, which was great. Uh, but I had no friends. I didn't speak the language. I didn't go out at night. Um, 
but you know, I, I really forced myself. This really forced me to learn the language. Now I speak Italian, as you know, and uh, and essentially, I was looking for that twenty Hong Kong Street experience. I eventually found it at Mag Cafe. Uh, Mario and Diego mentioned the name Flavio before. He, he opened a bar called Mag. Uh, roughly seven years ago. So it took me a few months for Mag to be born and me to rediscover that great, great drinking experience. And it was there at the cocktail bar where I made really my first friends as well. Uh, Flavio, a lot of the, t- lot of the industry are my dearest friends. Uh, for example, Diego and uh, Mario. And I really felt, you know, for the first time at ease. I really felt uh, really happy and serene. And you mentioned, before, you asked me before, how do you combine cocktails and being a professor in physics? So thankfully, my focus is on research. So I don't have to be in the lab. I don't have to be in the office at 8 a.m. I can go, let's say, 11 a.m., no problem. And I work till 9 p.m. And then I go out for maybe some drinks afterwards. But, you know, my, my day job is really quite intense. I mean, it's not really easy. It's, you know, physics, is, even for me, is really hard. It's really taxing on the brain. And so I love to just unwind with maybe a martini or Manhattan at night. And it really inspires my creativity. In fact, the project I wrote on, uh, I, I essentially came up with on diamonds. I wrote it at the bar counter of Mag Cafe. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. That's so, such a cool story. They, so I managed to somehow combine the two together. It's, uh, it's not easy. Uh, I find myself working basically every day. I mean, like most people. But uh, they're two passions of mine, physics and cocktails. And so I, you know, I, I wouldn't live any other way. So you mentioned that uh, you have this blog, but uh, you also have another, uh, is it just an Instagram account or is it also another blog called Cocktail Picnic? Correct, correct. So so this is a new blog that I developed uh, about a year ago. Um, I found myself really traveling the world. And so it didn't really make a lot of sense to put the cocktail bars of San Francisco, of Cape Town, of Johannesburg, uh, the various various markets, London, on, on a blog called Cuesta Mia Milano. And so I decided to make Cocktail Pilgrim, which is going quite well. And uh, just to sort of, it's, the main focus is on Instagram, uh, whereas Cuesta Mia Milano has Facebook, Instagram, and also the actual website itself where I write longer, longer articles. How do you find the time to generate so much content for social media? So it's really not easy. Uh, I'll give you an example of this week. Uh, we've been touring around. We've been in Mario and myself have been here for about a week. Uh, I organized a few events for him at some great bars in Singapore. And obviously, I'm taking lots of photos during the day. Um, and so what a lot of people, a lot of bloggers might do is, you know, post real time, make the stories. But I like, you know, I like, I like to, you know, review the content, make sure that the photos are nice, edit them with Snapseed, and then post them at the end of the night. So what, what I'm doing essentially is we get home from the bar around maybe 4 a.m. each night. And I spend two hours editing uh, and posting, posting photos and stories. And so... That's sort of how, that's the technique I use. I like to post, you know, end of the night uh, when I'm relaxed, just relaxing in bed just before going to sleep. And it's not easy, obviously. It's not easy to find the time to do it all, um, but I love doing it. So I find the time. Well, what, what motivates you? The thing that puzzles me is that there are such different career paths, right? Like, I mean, they have nothing to do with each other. There's no. z- literally zero interjection, right? No. Um, I'm someone, I have lots of passions in life. One is inter- uh, one is eating good food like pizza, for example, Catre Pepe from Rome, love wine, love beer. I'm actually also a coffee nerd. Uh, one day I'll maybe open a blog on that, on specialty coffee. Um, they're all passions of mine. And I, I'm someone who just loves to live life, to be serene, to be happy, to also share my happiness with others. 
And uh, that's why I blog. I blog to sort of give, you know, what I, I told you, I moved to Italy. I was a bit sad because I had no friends. Um, and so I built Questa Mia Milano. I uh, started blogging really to sh- teach, you know, show other people the way. Maybe new people who are in the same situation as me arriving to the, a new country, a new foreign country. And maybe they can then immediately have these great experiences from day one. And so that's why I do it. And uh, for me, passions are the reason for living. So I have more than one. Uh, one of them is a bit strange, being physics, lasers, etc. But it's something I love that gives me tremendous satisfaction. And so I want to do them all. You travel a lot and you visit a lot of different cocktail bars. Do you notice a lot of regional differences when it comes to cocktail bars? Or do you think that the cocktail scene is quite similar across the board? You do see lots of differences, especially when bars are focusing on, let's say, local ingredients. For example, I was recently in Johannesburg, uh, where they're using a lot of local foraged ingredients. Of course, there's a very famous bar in Singapore as well called Native, doing a similar concept, using ingredients only from Southeast Asia. And so that's one, obviously, you know, first thing you notice, right? Um, But in terms of classics, of course, everyone's making old fashions, Manhattans, martinis around the world. But that's actually the first way you actually see a difference in how, let's say, the local population drinks. For example, here in Singapore, the palate is slightly, prefers slightly sweeter, whereas in Italy, for example, we're more for drier and more bitter. And so that's a big, it's a big, it's a big difference you'll notice right away. So if I order a martini in, in Milano or in Rome, I know it'll be quite dry, whereas here it'll be, you know, a slightly different taste for the, you know, because of course you have to essentially please the local market and the local palate. And so that's one thing I noticed right away. Which one was the cocktail scene that excited you the most uh, as a blogger? So uh, maybe a couple. Um, obviously, I'm very happy with what's happening in Italy right now. Uh, Milano is becoming really a tremendous city, extremely international. You hear actually English all over, all over the city in, in the various bars and restaurants. Uh, and so you don't actually need to learn, uh, learn Italian to enjoy the city to its fullest. There are so many great bars there, but I, I, to be honest, Singapore is my favorite cocktail city. Uh, I'm not just because of bias, because you know Paul's a good friend of mine and he inspired me with 28. But you know, when when you come here, it's really like for a cocktail lover, it's Disneyland. So when I arrived in Singapore seven days ago with Mario, Mario's not used to traveling, so I thought let's go directly to the hotel, just relax. We have four guest shifts, maybe let's take it easy. We do one bar the first night, but as soon as we put our feet on Singapore soil, we realized. Jesus Christ, we have 40 potential world 50 best bars within 10 minutes walking. So it's like northern market in the world. I mean, London, of course, is considered the king of, of cocktail cities, but I, I go there as, as often as I can. But the most I can visit are maybe two or three bars a night, and they close earlier. And so for me, Singapore is the, the mecca of cocktail bar cities. Uh, San Francisco I love as well. I go there once a year. Uh, it's probably my favorite city in the U.S., uh, beautiful different neighborhoods, uh, really friendly West Coast people. Um, one of my favorite bars, which is Tommy's Mexican Restaurant, also ABV uh, in the Mission. Um, I would say those are sort of my favorite, favorite markets right now. How did you meet Mario? So Mario actually met, uh, would have been roughly three years ago. Uh, whenever he first, At the moment he first came back to Rome, uh, it would have been two or three years ago, probably two years ago. And I met him at sort of the last stop of the night. We were in Rome, actually. There was sort of a, a small, let's say, Rome bar weekend that was organized. I was there. Also, Alex, Alex Catena was giving a, giving a talk uh, at a round table. There was Giuseppe Gallo. There was Brennan Koo, who's part of the 28 team now working at Operation Dagger. 
we're all there talking about world's 50 best bars, these, these various competitions, what we think uh, is the future, also how we can better build the community in Italy. We're on this bar tour, and the last stop was Jerry Thomas, uh, which it typically is in, uh, in Rome. And I met Mario at, at the, the bar counter. He was uh, basically feeding shots of whatever bottle he had. I can't remember which one. And that's how we met. There's this sort of weird guy dressed beautifully, but had a bottle in his hand. We were doing laybacks, uh, Jerry Thomas. And so that's how we met. And then uh, eventually through more travels, I eventually visited his bar in, uh, in Rome called Baccano. And uh, no, we, we it's built a great friendship. I've been here with seven days with him doing four guest shifts. We did 28 Cafe Fernet. We did a place called B Bar, which is a speakeasy at the, the back of a supermarket. And of course, Bannon Oriental a couple of days ago where we kicked ass, of course, thanks to you. Thank uh, you for coming over. It was fantastic to have you. And uh, it's been a great week. And with Mario, I mean, we're essentially sharing, we're spending the entire day together. I mean, I can even spend the entire day with maybe a, a girlfriend of mine. It's just, I would lose my patience. But with Mario, we have, we somehow click together and we even share the same bed because we're to save on cost. <laughs> we share the same bed. And Sexy. so every day, every, every second is spent with Mario. So, but we, we haven't fought a single time and it's been great. We have a great dynamic. So it's fun. How did you go from running a blog to becoming a full on PR agent? So I wouldn't describe myself as a PR agent. I would say, let's say that, you know, the, the initial thing was starting to write uh, write about cocktails. It started with Cuesta Mia Milano, then Cocktail Pilgrim internationally. Uh, but recently, I've started writing for uh, drink for Drinks International in London, for Class Magazine, for Amish Smith. I also write for Bar Giornale in Italy, uh, which is just distributed in every single bar in Italy. And so it started as a writer. And about one year ago... Um, I decided, look, I have a lot of connections in Singapore. I actually have more connections in Singapore than I do in Milano, strangely. Uh, I thought of sort of, I really wanted to talk, teach people about the Italian way of drinking. So the aperitivo, the after-dinner digestivo. And to do this, we thought of organizing, along with uh, my collaborators, Gian Piero, uh, who's from Rome, and also Diego Ferrari, organize something special during Singapore Cocktail Festival. We did that last year. Uh, with multi- different brands. Uh, it was very interesting for me to bring a lot of Italian brands together, even smaller ones, and really teach the public here, um, which we identify as the most important uh, cocktail market, about the great way we drink in Italy. And so that was my first event with sponsors, uh, you know, in- involving money. And um, the second most, the second one was this recent one we did with, with Mario Farulla. And so it was sort of a, it's not about being a PR for one person or one bar, it's about doing PR for the bar, the bar industry in general, and the great, especially the way, the great way we drink in Italy. What do you think are the main differences between how people drink in Italy and uh, how people drink in a city like Singapore, for instance? Well, maybe one big difference is, well, at least for me, the way I drink in Italy is I would never. I mean, the, of course, the aperitivo is very popular, so the classic Negroni or an Americano before supper. Uh, that's something that's really was born in Northern Italy and it's something beautiful. But also the, the idea of you know a great after-dinner drink as well. Just wind down the day, maybe up even till 2 or 3 a.m. at night uh, with a nice, a nice old-fashioned, a nice Sazerac after you go after dinner. And so that's sort of this sort of schedule of let's say aperitivo, then you, then you move somewhere, maybe, maybe you go to a pizzeria, maybe you go for a risotto in a restaurant, and then you end the night in a third destination or maybe even a fourth where you have your after-dinner digestivo. And so that's one big difference. I think in the U.S., uh, also in Singapore, you see, of course, a lot of b- great bars with great food. Uh, 
uh, which is nice. Uh, but it's actually quite difficult to, to marry, the, let's say, a cocktail with a, a food dish. And so the Italian way, we're a, bit, we're a bit traditional in this sense. In Italy, we like to sort of have the aperitivo first, dinner is a separate thing where we have wine, and then our after dinner, uh, digestivo. I think it's what I love about the Italian culture is this sort of very heavy, bitter, sweet influence that we have at the beginning of the meal, which I think sort of identifies us uh, across the board. Do you think uh, there are other cities that you visited where there's a strong emphasis on uh, separating food and cocktails? Or like, not necessarily as separating, but like giving as, as much emphasis as we do in Italy with food? So the food thing is a really interesting one. Um, maybe I'd like to sort of like answer a dip- in a different way. So I mentioned that in Italy, we really don't like to have cocktails with food. Uh, we like to have it before. Maybe, okay, maybe with our Negroni, we'll have some taralli, some olives, something, some potato chips, just to sort of, you know, get excited for, you know, for our, our upcoming dinner where we'll have wine, okay? Um, but actually, I, my mind has sort of been open to the possibility that you can marry food and drink. Uh, the first experience I had of this uh, was actually in Cape Town, uh, a place called Outrage of Modesty. Uh, which has now been now under new ownership, but this is a bar opened by Luke Weirty. Mm-hmm. Is uh, essentially opened it after Operation Dagger, and it's the first time I've tried amazing food dishes, perfectly paired with cocktails. Uh, these innovative cocktails that uh, Luke Weirty uh, developed along with Devin Cross, who was there, uh, also a good buddy of mine, uh, and that really opened my eyes to the fact that you can really marry. You know, even with local ingredients, so focus just on what you have uh, in the region, have this perfect harmony between the, the drink, the cocktail, and the food. Uh, and this is something there are other, other people, of course, pushing this other than Luke Weirty. Of course, at Tipling Club, uh, Ryan Clift is an innovator as well. Of course, Luke worked there. Um, you have other bars, for example, another, another guy who's sort of in the same category as Luke, and even more famous is, is Matt Wiley. I had a great experience at Scout in London. And this is something beautiful. Not everyone can pull it off, um, but it's something that works for sure. What do you think makes a perfect pairing with food? Well, I would say if you, it heightens the flavor, I would say if the drink heightens the flavor of the food and, and, and vice versa. If you can somehow, if you drink it on its own, if you drink this wine on its own, for example, I mean, the first thing I think of as living in Italy is wine, okay? There are certain wines where, of course, you maybe even can drink them on their own. Uh, for example, like a nice uh, Brunello di Montalcino, a uh, Super Tuscan, these meditation wines. But there, in Italy, it's very common where you're essentially you, you hide, essentially by eating the dish. For example, if you're having a nice uh, Bistecca la Fiorentina in in Florence, you pair that with a nice Chianti. Uh, you can really find different nuances within uh, both the, both the, the food and the drink, and so that's really what makes a difference. If it somehow improves the experience when you when you bring the two together. But do you think what are the main challenges into pairing uh, cocktails and uh, food? Because I think Mm-mm. wine and food has been done uh, over and over again. Yeah. Uh, and but the fact that cocktails have been around for hundreds of years and we still struggle with this specific pairing, like mm-hmm. what, what was that made the experience, for instance, in Johannesburg for you great? Well, as you know, Luke Weirty, Luke Weirty based in, uh, with Outrage of Modesty at the time. By the way, the funny thing is I didn't meet Luke Weirty initially because he wasn't in Cape Town uh, when I went to Outrage of Modesty. Oh, sorry, Cape Town, yeah. But the most amazing thing was a week later I was in Singapore. So it was really cool. I actually got to meet Luke a week later in his actual, let's say, flagship oh, no bar. Cool. That was incredible. And I told Luke about it and he was blown away that someone had done Cape Town to Singapore in one week. But anyways... 
I was there for both in both cases for work for the professor job, and so I got to experience it twice. And uh, I mean, Luke is an innovator. I mean, he, he makes these amazing drinks with these sort of chemistry lab techniques, and really takes cocktails to a different level. And there, you can really play with flavors in a more different in a different way compared to standard classics. I think the one challenge with cocktails in general with food is they're typically quite sweet and this can really destroy your palate essentially when you're about to then eat the food um i think there's a bar that does that, that is really thinking about this in a smart way which is dante in new york where they're focusing on the italian aperitivo essentially and what they're proposing there is sort of lower abv drinks not quite as sweet uh maybe more on the bitter side but not overly sweet for example a, a big mistake that americans make is they drink a lot of old fashions maybe even before their meal. But after you have one old-fashioned, your palate is really shot completely, and you can't really enjoy the dish afterwards. And so the guys at Dante were clever, and they decided to propose drinks like spritzes, like, like let's say, lower AB versions of the Negroni, Americano, that really don't overwhelm your palate and let you really enjoy, uh, let's say, bar bites as well, or even larger dishes. So your ideal venue would be something that is that relatively food-heavy, I guess. My ideal venue in terms of my personal enjo- my Not personal enjoyment, like the the bar that tickles you the most, you know, the one that makes you happy. Well, the bar that makes me—I mean, to be honest, um, I appreciate all kinds of bars. From if there's a food program, great. For example, I love Twenty Eight, as I mentioned. Uh, they, in my opinion, they have the best bar food of any bar in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, their hamburger is the best in Singapore, for example. But again, uh, it's 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 complicated. It depends. It depends on my mood. It depends on the time of the day. Uh, it depends on so many things. I mean, I appreciate even the classy, let's say, Atlas experience. I love going there. I was there yesterday before Asia's Fifty Best Bars because it's the perfect place to really feel like you're, you know, you're James Bond. You feel like someone important. You know, sipping on a martini before the the gala event. But I mean, I'm also very casual. I'm a professor in physics. I'm a bit of a hipster. And so often I you know, dress quite casual and might enjoy a local dive bar uh, or uh, you know, even a speakeasy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really open to every kind of experience. As long as uh, the, the drink is good uh, and I feel great, and then I'm happy, whether there's food or not. Have you ever thought about co-owning a venue with someone? Well, maybe one day, one day. Right now, I have a lot going on. Yeah. With, with <laughs> I, I manage 12 Instagram accounts, uh, professor in physics, cocktail writer for three different publications, uh, voice actor. Uh, maybe one day. I mean, it, it is my dream. I've, uh, I'd love to. It's a matter of finding the time and, of course, the money. Yeah, of course. It's always mm. challenging. Where do you find the energy to do all these things you do? Well, I, like, I mean, I love to sleep like everyone else. And I do. I mean, I sleep... Probably more than you. I probably sleep seven, eight hours a night. I love my sleep, um, and so I, I'm able, to, I'm able to man- make it work. I uh, make it work because I essentially work every day. Um, I work every day. Saturday and Sunday are spent in the office if I'm if I'm in Milano, uh, where I can catch up on on things, on the various things I'm following, and that's it. That's how I make it work. Cool. Uh, last question I ask to everybody: What would be your very last drink? My very last drink. Well. It's really hard to choose, but this year, uh, given that I've been drinking so many cocktails over the past few years, um, I've decided this year to drink only dry martini cocktails, almost exclusively. Obviously, when you visit a new bar, you want to try your friend's new signature cocktail, but generally, you'll find that I'm drinking only dry martinis. Uh, I do this for two reasons. One is to sort of give my palate a break, 
So then, then I, maybe next year I can really enjoy all these really strange, exotic flavors from various cocktails from around the world. The second reason is because there's really very low sugar, zero carbs inside the martini. So I'm trying, to, you know, given that I eat a lot of pizza, uh, I like to, I'm trying to cut down on carbs. And so I'm considering the dry martini as sort of my health conscious cocktail. Obviously, you can't have too many of them because you'll get uh, a little bit tipsy. Yeah, but uh, that's the one I'd have last because that's the one I'm drinking right now. You're a vodka guy? You're not a gin guy? I love I love every 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 spirit. Um, probably my favorite is actually whiskey. Uh, maybe a single malt scotch that would be probably my preferred choice. But in terms of cocktails, I'm open to everything. Whether it's vodka, gin, even grappa, uh, rum. We had a great uh, daiquiri earlier with Mr. Daiquiri, and uh, I'm open to everything really. Cool. Thank you very much for your time, Shay. Thank you, Michele. Awesome it's a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Shane. We are unjiggered underscore media on Instagram and you can follow our personal accounts at mmariotti89 for Michele, Alex J. Murphy for myself and Adrian Bessa for Adrian. Thank you for listening.